Welcome to Building Bigfoot. Uh, my name is Jonathan Whiting. I'm the co-founder of Street Text. The name Building Bigfoot is, uh, it comes from the idea that if you are uh, venture-backed and you're building this business and it grows, uh, it's it's a unicorn. Uh, great. But what if, uh, what about the rest of us? You know, we're building businesses, we're bootstrapped, we're you got to be smart. You got to be conscientious of, of uh, where your dollar goes and the impact that you're making from that. You just have to be smarter. You have to play differently. And so the whole concept of building Bookfoot is that if you if you do something and you and you and you're building it bootstrapped and you have great success, well, it's not a unicorn. It's a Bigfoot. With that, welcome to uh, this amazing episode. So uh, I'm really excited about it. So we actually, so this is Aiden. Aiden has got a pretty wild story, uh, which we'll get into in a bit, and is an incredibly talented uh, videographer. And he'll actually go into uh, some really good strategic tips that will take your video game from, let's say, wherever it is, just to that next level. And there will be something here for everybody to learn and take away from. And so I'm very excited to to get into it with Aiden. We're going to start with story and then and then dive in. All right, with that, let's go. Let's go. For anybody who doesn't know uh, Aiden, Aiden is uh, amazingly talented uh, at video. And uh, if you've seen any of the feature films that we've done, where we've uh, uh, you know been either. Um, myself or Ira or or one of the team uh, videos, it's been Aiden who's been the guy who's put it together. And uh, he has this amazing ability to uh, to do very, very good quality video while at the same time tell a story. And I remember the first time we met Aiden, you shared this video that you had done, which was of your grandfather and fishing. And that video connected with me on so many levels that I knew I was just like, wow, you've got so much talent. This is this is a truly good good story and, and a good storyteller. And so I think what'd be really cool uh, in this in this episode, episode number one, is to really dive into your story because you are. It's about telling stories. But then also we'll dive into a little bit about what are some of the best tips that uh, you know you can implement into your uh, your own video that are easy to do with the tools that you already have on hand as I think that would be really, really, really useful. So Aiden, uh, why don't you uh, quickly introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, of course. Well, thank you for the introduction. Um, yeah, my name is Aiden Federson, and I live in the beautiful Okanagan Valley. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm a, a full-time videographer and photographer, and it was something that kind of wasn't exactly planned. I kind of just got into it just filming and doing photos with friends and um, I just love the process. I love being able to go out and um, it pushed me to go out in times that I didn't, I don't know, didn't really have to or want to necessarily, um, but it pushed me to do things that were uncomfortable. I would go on um, camping trips that were very spontaneous and, and definitely looking back at it were, were times that I look back at as being like my favorite memories of, of high school, of just being out and just wanting to go take photos and just puts puts me in uh, an uncomfortable situation, but those are the best memories I have. Um, and then one of my buddies was actually a videographer as well, and kind of went on a couple shoots with him. And right then and there, I fell in love with the process and fell in love with 
going out and meeting new people and, and then meeting people like Jonathan. And um, there's, just, there's just so much value that comes out of the work that I do. And, and that's kind of why I continue to do it is not necessarily um, going out and making the photos and the video, but just even the, the connections and the, the friendships that you do make. Um, and yeah, that's kind of why I continue to do it. And it's a, it's a hobby I get to do every single day of my life. So yeah, it's been great. Just the idea of being able to do or to tell a story was basically like the biggest thing. Um, and, and not necessarily a story that just resembles with you, but I think that there's so many memories that I have and so many me memories that you would have, Jonathan, that are um, emotional and, and are that, can, that can connect with you. And um, that's what I like to do is like when I go into um, someone's work or, or place of business and um, I really like to hear them out and hear what they do um, and just to hear their story because everyone has their own story and has their own um, everyday life and own way of doing things. Um, and that story is, is so powerful. And I think that's just like the biggest thing is going in and, and telling that story. So when I met you, you were, um, you were in Kelowna. And then, uh, and then you were working on some of the projects and you're like, hey, I've got this thing. I'm going to go to Hawaii for a few months. Uh, so I'm going to be working on some of your projects in the background. And uh, so I was like, oh, that's great. No problem. And off you go. And when you get to Hawaii, uh, I get this email. And, um, and, and it was sort of like, hey, I'm in the hospital. And... Uh, I just remember reading this email and thinking, wow, this is bad. This is really bad. And uh, being sort of taken back by what I was reading and f being scared for you. And so I just stopped. And I remember at that moment, I think I even, I just stopped and prayed. And uh, I didn't really know what to do, but I just thought, man, um, I want to see, like, you get through this. So why don't you share a little bit about why you went to... Hawaii, what was going on there, and then and then what happened? Yeah, I think um, I think the biggest thing was I was wanting to go to Hawaii and basically just it, it was a, it was a Christian uni or university that I was going to, um, but I was going there. It's called YWAM, uh, Youth with a Mission, and I was going there to basically volunteer my time and and work there, but in exchange I would get free stay. Um, and free food and everything else of like living there was free. And um, I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to go live in Hawaii uh, right on the beach basically. And everything was great. And so I kind of uh, prayed about it, thought about it for a long time. And I just went for it. I was like, I'm, I'm young. I'm just going just gonna to live it up and, and just go. And so I did. And um, I was supposed to be there for three months. And two months into my three-month journey, um, I was on a moped riding home from, from campus onto where I was staying. And um, me and my friend Reagan were actually on this moped riding home. And um, a car was making a left-hand turn um, on the highway trying to cross the inter intersection and didn't see us and completely um, sideswiped us. And so I went through the windshield and um, like cut up my face really bad. You probably can't really see it. Um, and then um, as I was in a sitting position, my, my leg, my right leg got pushed back, um, which dislocated and broke my pelvis, um, which is my hip. And then I also shattered my kneecap. 
and then broke a bunch of fingers and um, it was really scary. I was just completely, it was like the movies where my ears were ringing. Um, all I remember seeing were flashing lights and high beams and lights and people um, over top of me yelling, are you okay? Or I'm just like, clearly not, I'm not, I'm not okay. Um, and people were just like, stay awake, stay awake. And it was just, it was very surreal. Um, cause I remember opening up my eyes and, um, not knowing what was going on and not knowing what was going to happen. If I was going to survive, I had no idea what state I was in, I had no idea what had happened. Um, and I just remember like sitting there and knowing that there was only one thing I knew that I could do. Um, and I was just remember like, God give me peace and walk this journey with me. And that was like the biggest thing that, um, really set my accident foot like I knew that that was like how things were gonna start and I knew that I needed to lean on um, God's understanding and not my own and um, yeah I just remember praying that and it was like an instant sense of peace that you're hey you're gonna be okay but this is gonna be a long journey and I didn't know what that meant didn't know what that felt like um, but I remember like my the cut here went right across here right across my eyelid so I wasn't able to open this eye um, this eye was my jaw was kind of dislocated um, as well, so I couldn't really talk, couldn't really do anything. But I remember like trying to open my eyes as much as possible and just see where Reagan was and uh, the girl that was on the moped. And she was like way further ahead. And I'm like, what happened? So I remember trying to like call her name and ask how she was doing. And she was just lying on the side of the road too. And I was freaking out like, is she okay? Is she okay? Um, and it was just like this really scary time of uncertainty of what was going to happen. And I think that, yeah, it was just leaning on, um, yeah, my faith and, and seeing how God was going to work in this, but also just to, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't have any control with what was going on. I tried to move. I couldn't move. I was in so much pain. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a moment of my life that I'll definitely never forget. And it's a moment that, um, yeah, it made me realize how precious and, and um, how quickly life can change. I was conscious for the whole thing, which is, which is crazy because I, um, <laughs> I had no helmet on, which is another crazy thing, was I had no brain, uh, brain injury, no brain damage, no nothing. I remember everything. I think I was like kind of like knocked out minor concussion um, for like a split second. Um, so I remember seeing like the headlights coming straight for me. We, we bought the moped brand new and um, at the dealership, they don't even sell helmets. Like that's how crazy it is. And so, um, yeah, for me to like not have any brain injury, I mean, going through the windshield is nuts. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy for sure. But I did, I did remember seeing the ambulance come and um, it was really weird. Like I, I like hit the windshield. I didn't go through it necessarily. Um, I, my face hit the windshield and then I kind of like bounced off again. Cool. I do have photos of the moped though. And the moped was pretty, <laughs> pretty broken up. She, that's another crazy story is she, she was perfectly fine. Like she, um, the car, um, was right in front of us and the moped hit straight on right in the front right side of the uh, car. Um, and the whole, she was behind me. Um, and she actually, the, the moped actually like kicked up. Um, and the mop or she flew over top of the car and just landed on the ground and she had some bruising on her leg, but that was, that was it. Um, so I definitely took the, the blow of the, the hit and that was that. You're sitting down, 
you're in front of the car and or beside it or behind it you're lying there you don't really know what's going on so so when does the ambulance come how does that the get ambulance there? the ambulance there was there like so quickly it was actually crazy i think it was only there for two minutes maybe um which then i got um, into the ambulance reagan was in the ambulance as well i got rushed over towards the um I was on Kona, so the big island of Hawaii. I got rushed over to that hospital, um, which then I was um, fully scanned. I, they were like doing MRIs on my head and um, trying to figure out what was wrong, trying to see um, a full list of all these things that were wrong and all these things. And that was one of the most scary things was just the doctors over top of me, um, like literally like the movies, the big bright light and then um, five or six doctors and nurses all over top of me, um, feeling my leg, feeling all my like ribs, making sure nothing else was broken. And, and they're literally just listing off all these things that are wrong, um, which was terrifying. I was just like, and, and no one was really talking to me because I was kind of out of, it as, out of it as well. Um, and so the one doctor that finally talked to me, he's like, are you conscious enough to understand me? And I'm like, yes, let me, what's wrong? And he just started, there was like probably 10 things that they were saying were wrong and um, like broken fingers, um, all the lacerations done to my face. So I had a huge, um, I had like 300 stitches done to my face in the end. Um, so all of here on my nose, they were like, you possibly might be blind in your, in your left eye. Um, I had a dislocated and then broken pelvis and then my knee. Um, and then, yeah, just the list continued. And it was just... It was terrifying, and I was I was at that point I was by myself, and it was just me. And um, they found out that, um, or they sorry, they then sent me into another room where um, they were like, "We're going to need to put you under um, and try to put your hip back in place." And so they they went for it, and they were extremely quick, which was crazy. So they they put me under, um, they cleaned out my face while I was under, um, they cleaned out my knee. Um, which my, my knee was actually a, an open fracture. So my, it broke, or it, it broke, um, um, vertically, which is kind of unheard of. Usually kneecaps always break horizontally. Um, but it broke vertically. They cleaned that all out. Um, and then they also put my hip back in place while I was out. And so I was back up and <laughs> not up, but like I was, uh, awake again. And, um, some of my good friends were able to come into the hospital and, um, come and see me before I got medevaced over to um, Honolulu, um, which is their big uh, main hospital um, in in Hawaii. So I got rushed over to them, um, which then I got sent in for emergency surgery. Um, and at this point, my parents had barely even been contacted. My parents had no idea what was going on. Um, one of a fr my friend of a friend of a friend got in contact with my parents and said, Aiden has been in a serious accident. And that was it. My parents were like, what is going on? Is he still alive? Like it was very uncertain. And, um, so yeah, got Russian for surgery. They, for, I think it was four hours, they were stitching up my face four or five hours. Um, and because it's on your face, your face needs to be, they, they were kept saying your face needs to be awake. And I was like, well, I don't know what that means, but so they couldn't actually put me asleep for it. So I was awake the entire time. Um, and they just kept like freezing my face and then doing some stitches and then the freezing would go away and it would hurt so much, but they kept going, going, going. Um, so it was, yeah, it was like 
four hours, something like that, of just stitching my face. And then I got rushed in for surgery on my on my hip and my knee. And then um, the first surgery I went into for that, they, they told me I may never walk again. And that was the most terrifying thing I've ever been told because I'm a very like active person, always, always out doing something, always on some sort of adventure. And um, that to me was like, my life is going to be completely radically changed after this. And yeah, that was, that part was just terrifying. So yeah, I don't know, kind of just went into it with an open mind and, and try to just see the best in things. But I mean, all things considered, I, I mean, it's almost a year now. Um, and I'm out doing all the things I love doing, which is a complete blessing. Yeah, so your like face has healed remarkably well. It's insane. I, you know, if you can see you mm. on the video, it's it's really impressive. Like when you see um, the befores and like where you're at now. I wonder if when they were stitching you mm. up, I wonder if they were trying to keep you awake because it's like you have we have muscles in our face, and the way our face expressions change yeah. when we're asleep versus awake. If you were stitched up when you were asleep. Maybe if you were to be awake, it, you would see lines or you'd see creases. I'm, I'm wondering if that was part of it. You know, for most people who are listening to this, especially if you're in any kind of profession where you are the face of your business, like a real estate agent or a mortgage broker, having your face, like 300 stitches in your face would be terrifying. You know, mm-hmm. that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, it was... And then it was a lot for sure. And then to have the question of whether or not you'll be able to like move again or move properly, and the fact that you might have been blind, like that is you're hitting <laughs> on a terrible, terrible situation. Um, so, but your mm. so but something that's really interesting, you know, as you were sharing the story with me, you know, even I'm, I'm hearing new details even as we're talking on this. Like this is crazy. Um, your your mindset during this whole process is something unusual because when we when you were sharing this, I remember you saying to me uh, things along the lines of like uh, the surgeon I had was such a blessing, the way that my my knee healed was such mm. a blessing, the way that the fracture happened was such a blessing, the way that they were able to stitch up my face was such a blessing, and I was like, what? Who is this guy? Who is this person? Where where do you get this this? Where does this mindset? come from and uh can you share a little bit about that and and sort of like what was your outlook going through there and how do you think it's maybe impacted the recovery process totally i think that there was there's a couple things where i had a lot of my friends and and family go through a lot of crazy times and a lot of crazy things that were really sucky and there were a lot of things that i noticed from them was just being in a positive attitude and, and how they overlooked those crappy situations really not only helped them through the situation, but also I think was a huge impact on the people that were impacted as well. Um, and I know that there were a lot of people in my life that were impacted through this whole um, ordeal. Um, and so, yeah, that was a big thing for me was just like, I need to have a good attitude through this. And um, a lot of people that have had, like um, my uncle, for example, was in a really bad car crash um, when I was really little. And he, he would probably still look back at it as being one of the hardest thing he's ever gone through, but he definitely had a different mindset and he was like, this sucks. This is like the worst thing that could have happened to me. Um, and I know he, he hates thinking about 
his accident. He hates thinking about um, what he had gone through and, and how alone and, and how he felt. Um, and for me, like I felt like I I knew that that was one one way that I could have reacted and one way that I could have um, taken everything. But I knew that I didn't want that. I didn't want to look back at it at this accident as being one of the worst things that happened to me. I wanted to look back at it as being this is um, this is something that can propel me to be a better person in a lot of different ways. And I think that it really woke me up from um, maybe ways that I was living or um, like there's a lot of goals now that I've, I've kind of set in place that I want to be a better person and not just like um, just like mentally and like being able to like, like I had amazing, a great friends and family that supported me and, and all that type of stuff. But I think even just like um, moving on with this accident, I learned so much um, and I'm like, how can I move um, forward in life just a better person mentally um, physically and spiritually was just like the biggest thing. And like now I like work out every single day and I've uh, not only just to get myself back in a place where I'm able to do the things that I used to love doing, but also to be in better shape than I've ever been in before. Um, and it's crazy. Like it's only been, it's been less than a year. Um, and I'm already able to run a 5k, which is crazy to me because I wasn't able to do that before. Um, but just being able to like push myself and, and I know that I had like going through the accident, um, there's, it's a lot of just mindset and it's a lot of, um, just a mental game. And I think it's the same thing with working out and it's the same thing with a lot of things in life that you have to push yourself through uncomfortable situations and, um, and working out and pushing yourself is, is just that, like you're pushing yourself through very uncomfortable situations where your legs are extremely sore and you're out of breath and, you're just wanting to get off that treadmill or get off that run and just sit down, but you just push through and then it's a lot. Yeah. I've learned a lot through that. And I think that, um, yeah, I know my life is going to be very, very different moving forward. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. And I, when you're running now, are, do you experience pain in your legs? Yes and no. Um, I, it gets very like, my leg gets very stiff, um, from like sitting down and not doing anything. Um, so like a little bit, but I think like once I start running and I start walking and hiking and stuff, my, my leg loosens up. And, um, when I go on a hike and stuff, like I, I still notice that my leg is pretty weak. Um, I mean, I went through a lot of trauma and it's less, I, less than a year. So it's going to take a little while to get that muscle back. But, um, like all things considered, I think, um, yeah, like my doctor and my physio say that you're probably always going to have just a little bit of pain and discomfort, but that's the least of my worries right now. It's just, I want to be able to do the things that I love to do. Wow. So when you hear that and someone says, you know, always, what goes through your mind? What, sorry, what do you mean? So like a doctor, when they look at you and they say, you know, uh, we think you might be blind. We think you might not be able to walk again. We think you may not be able to do these things. How does your brain process that information? Because clearly you're doing the very things that they said you wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I think like those things terrified me so much that I was like, if I have anything to do with it and any say in this, that is not going to be the case. <laughs> and um, they, they were, they told me that I was going to have drop foot. It was like a 90% chance that I was going to have drop foot, which is basically um, being able to like stand on a flat surface and be able to like lift myself or even be able to drive um, or anything like that. I wouldn't be able to like move my foot up and down. 
um, which basically means that I would have to have a splint on for my whole life. Um, it's like basically a little boot, a plastic boot thing that would just hold my foot up. Um, and I've never, never had that before. I've never, like it's, I've never had an issue. Like within that, which is crazy is like, that was like one of the first things that I got movement back in is because I, as soon as I heard that I was trying so hard every single day, I would sit in a chair after my surgeries and I was in the hospital for like three weeks. Um, and I remember sitting in my chair and just like closing my eyes and just picturing my leg moving again. And there was one instance where it actually did and it did move again. And I'm like, holy crap, this is, it's going to be fine. Um, and ever since that day, I was like, man, if you just put your mind to something that you can push through a lot of things that could be said that couldn't be possible. So yeah, I don't know. It's just like having that mindset that you're able to do it. That's wild. Now, now you're a solopreneur. So basically you have a video business mm -hmm. that is your livelihood. It's your career. It's your passion. It's, it's all these things. You're also a photographer and you're very good at these things. Um, what's happening to your business while you're in the hospital? Yeah, I think, I mean, because the business is, is basically just me, but I did have people that I would reach out to, to help me. Um, there were definitely clients that I did have that I was supposed to be back and working, um, after December, like I was supposed to be back from YWAM and back home and, and kind of full swing and back into work. And that was just not the case and not possible. And so, um, I definitely had a lot of my friends, um, that are in the same career and same work. Um, they were able to step in and, and fill that in for me. Um, which was another crazy thing that, um, I've noticed in the career that I'm in is um, usually in like big cities like Vancouver or Calgary, there's a lot of people um, that do what I do, but they're all very competitive. Um, and everyone's trying to like one up the, the person, the other person. And um, it's not like that here in Kelowna that I've noticed. And everyone's kind of here to support each other and um, just love on each other and yeah, just, just help out really. Um, so yeah, they, they completely stepped in and um, they were able to like just take over what I wasn't able to do and yeah, it was great. That's really cool. You know, there's two things I think that come from that. One is, is, is that abundance mindset is knowing that there's more than enough for everyone mm. and the nature of goods and services. People forget this, which is the goods and services increase year after year. So in other words, if we work together, there's actually more than there was the year before. So not only is there more than enough for everyone, but as we collaborate and we collectively share and work together and help each other, you know, we're actually creating abundance and we're creating abundance in increasing measure. So it's, it's funny. It's, it's one of those things where um, the fact that you've, you've got that around you, that is very cool. Now, um, that probably does say a little bit about who you are and the kind of people that you are going to naturally gravitate towards or also attract towards you. Uh, just because of your own um, giving nature, so what? Um, so so what did like when did you start getting back into your field? Um, that's a good question. I believe it was February first um, that I was finally able to because of the the whole accident and stuff. I was um, under ICBC claim or. Uh, like an ICBC, like I had to not work and because I had so much treatment that I had to go through. Um, and so there was, there's a period there where I probably could have started working. Um, 
but I just didn't because I wasn't really able to. Um, but uh, it, I think it was February 1st where I was kind of like, this is your first day of you're able to look, go back to work and um, get back into things. But that was not not necessarily back to like what I was able to do before. Like I wasn't able to walk very well. Um, I'm pretty sure I was still on 75% weight bearing. So I wasn't actually able to walk without crutches still. Um, and no, like, <laughs> like nothing crazy. Like it was literally, if I walked without crutches, it'd be literally walking on flat surface through my kitchen. Um, and that was it. Like I wasn't able to do, do much of like the, the action stuff or filming for car commercials or filming with you guys and, and running on a track or doing anything like that. It was very, uh, just like editing and a lot of admin work of just emails. And, um, I kind of use that time really to reach out to new clients and, um, to just say, Hey, this is, this is the situation I'm in. I'd love to start working with you when I'm able to. Um, and I think I like landed like six or seven new clients just by emailing people um, during the time I wasn't able to do anything. And that was really cool. So um, yeah, I think it's just like using the time you do have. And yes, you can go through a crappy situation where maybe you're not able to walk or you sprain your ankle and there's times where, oh, I can't work right now. But there's a lot of back end stuff that you can be doing. Um, and that's and that's what I did. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. So I'm so grateful that you have made such an amazing recovery and uh, your story is, is inspirational. And, uh, and so it's, it's one of those things where, you know, uh, you know, so you have a plan, you're, you're going to go back to Hawaii here, right? So my, my year after my accident is November 19th. That was the day of my accident. And I'm actually going back um, to my accident scene um, a year after. So I'm, I'm creating a documentary that I'm of my whole accident to tell the whole story. And, um, a lot of people supported me and I'd love to be able to, um, have, or be able to tell that story in a unique way. So that's what I'm, I'm going back to do. Well, that's, that's really, uh, that's very cool. I encourage you in that. I think that it's, again, it's, 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 it is a very, um, it's, it's quite the, the wild ride. And then to have been on my side of it, during the journey, that was something else because, you know, I were working with you and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, Aiden, like, don't worry. Like, just don't worry about those things. Focus on whatever you got to focus on. But I think I, mm -hmm. I can't remember the exact, I don't remember the wording of the email, but it was something along the lines of like, you just kind of gave us the status, like update, almost like what your doctor probably was saying. Like, you know, I don't know that, 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 that my leg, my knee, my hip, my eye, my face. And I was just like, <laughs> like, <laughs> what's happened to poor Aiden? You I know. Just had this crazy accident. And then there's, and there's no, um, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to be here and to talk to you and, and you sharing your side and like how much you've recovered. But in that moment, you just don't know, right? You don't know what the mm -hmm. what the, what the outcome's going to be, and I, I think that your mindset plays such a big role in in determining the choices that you later make that moves you towards where you're getting now. And uh, so so that's that's super interesting. Now, one thing else that I think would be, you know, we we talk about so uh, is being a video guy and and knowing that video is incredibly important to. Uh, businesses um, nowadays like it's 
everything. So it's when you when you're going and you're communicating now. There's obviously uh, YouTube's becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, TikTok is is this rising thing. Instagram Reels have just become very dominant uh, in a very short period of time. Video is becoming really prevalent. It's it's really becoming ubiquitous, and it's also the most personal way you can introduce yourself. Because if you can connect with someone over video, uh, you're not just sharing uh, the words, you're sharing your tonality, your personality, your, your body language, uh, all the different things that, that, that are sort of like the je ne sais quoi of who you are uh, really helps to come across in a much better way on video. So video is this really powerful tool. So what would be a few tips that somebody can use that would up their video game with the tools that they already have. Like, you know, most people are carrying around with them a smartphone with a really great camera. Uh, what would be some things? Maybe like, yeah, let's go through. Even positioning, angles, where the lighting, what time of day. Yeah, I think... Just what would be the best practices? I think it's kind of what we've been saying this whole time is it's not about the gear you do have. And yes, like, you can you can continue to buy the new phone or the new camera or, or whatever it is, but it's not... You can have like a $30,000 camera to a $100,000 camera, whatever it is, um, but your videos still suck because you don't tell a story. And I think that you can tell and, and have just as an impactful video w- with an iPhone. You don't, you don't need anything more than that. And I think like that's the biggest misconception. And a lot of people do hear that as like, oh, all you need is an iPhone. And people are like, well, that's not necessarily true. But I think the biggest thing with, um, with video and being able to tell a story is is just grabbing people's attention. It's the same thing with um, with YouTube, where people struggle with YouTube the most is they um, they start a video where it's not it doesn't grab your attention right away. And I mean, with today's world and everything, how things are going, um, everything is short ter- um, short form content, and and that includes Instagram Reels, TikToks. Um, everything's like fifteen to thirty seconds long. Um, on average and and people just don't have the attention span to watch a long video anymore Um, and so if you do and you do have a lot of things to say and you do use YouTube um, there are people that do it extremely well I'll watch a 30 minute YouTube video the other day and um, doesn't feel like 30 minutes at all but it's because of how they're grabbing your attention there'll be um, a good 30 seconds at the beginning of the video where it's like super action-packed it'll kind of um, show you little bits of like what the video is going to be about, but it leaves it on a cliffhanger. It's like, I want to watch the rest of this video to be able to get to that answer. Um, and so it's even, even if you're doing TikTok and um, Instagram reels, it's really about creating value for someone. Um, so it's like, if you're, if you're on, on camera, so it's, if it's just me um, or if it's B-roll or whatever it is, um, it, it's just giving someone some sort of value. What is what is the purpose of watching this video? Um, is it teaching someone how to do something that those do really well? Um, so it's even even if it we're doing what we're doing now. And Jonathan, if you went on on uh, TikTok and we're like, are you wanting to record a podcast? Here is how you use it, um, or th- here is how you do it. Um, and it gives out like five key points. Like that could do very well because people are wanting to do it, but they just don't know how. Um, and so it's it's really just yeah having telling a story providing value um, and then just yeah doing it that way and I think like the biggest thing is lighting um, I mean for me like I have a really simple just blue light on my um, on my fan kind of right here 
um, which is just a, a really simple blue light that you can get at Best Buy for like 15 bucks. Um, and then I just have a, a key light, kind of just like this little thing right here, which just um, takes out from the background, lights me perfect, like really well. Um, yeah, it's it's super simple. Like it, it's, it's not expensive. Um, it's just using the resources that you do have and just using it to the best of your ability. So number one, content. So good content captures mm -hmm. people's attention and it's how it's uh, presented. It's like, so you don't want to drag it out. So there's something, what, what is it about it? Say like in the first 30 seconds, like what is it about it, the content that helps keep you engaged? What are some things that you notice? For me, like I've noticed a lot of TikToks that I have watched recently that people do just as an example. I mean, there's, there's hundreds of different ways you can do it, but it's even um, starting the video off with, um, have you, have you ever thought of how to wash your car the best or something like those? It's not the best wording, but um, have you ever um, wanted to use your Apple watch for fitness? And then it will be like kind of asking someone a question, um, but then diving into how to do it or how to do it better. Um, and it, that's what people like. If you ask a, a question that people are desiring and people are trying to figure out an answer to, people are most likely going to watch it. And it's like, are you, do you know, how, um, do you want to know how to make the best coffee or something like along those lines um, where people are like, yeah, I do. And then they continue to watch that video, um, which then now gets pushed to more people that are looking for the same answer. Um, so it's really just providing someone with that value of just, this is what we're, this is what the video is about right off the get go. Um, or it literally could be no words at all. And it could be a 15 to 30 second really quick montage of like really cool clips that's going to be in the 30 second or 30 minute video or whatever it is. Um, but it shows people's show people visually what what's to come basically. I see. So you're, you're, you're introducing a topic yep. and then immediately you're going into the value of that topic. Yeah, exactly. So that whoever's listening doesn't have to wait or like delay that that sense of reward of actually paying attention to the content. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the second thing you said is lighting. So you think, so the two most important things is content and then lighting. Uh, if you're, if you're in at home and you only have supplies at home and you don't have a K, uh, so you, you, you would recommend definitely. So what was that light that you shared? Uh, well, the light on my, on my fan is literally, I think it's a, a Philips hue is what it is. And it might be 30 bucks or something like that. Um, but it's pretty cool because you can literally control it right by your phone. Um, it's all Bluetooth and you can change the color. Like I can go in here and just change the color to an orange. And now it's just a very different style. But then oh, wild. with this, it's very versatile because it's just a very different look. And if you're doing lots of sit down videos like this and you just want things to be just a little bit different, you literally just press a button and it changes the color. And it's, it's that simple, um, which is awesome. And then this, this little light here, like it's a key light. So basically it just right on my face, it's a Amazon light. It's just an led light panel. Um, and you can get some for as cheap as like 50 bucks. Um, and they're fully RGB, which is basically you can change it to, they have it, I think is like over a million colors. So you can have many different hues of different colors and, um, you can have like it flash and, and have different, <laughs> different things. If you want it to have like, 
yeah, it's just really cool. Like you can, I could completely change this look and have the background um, as orange, but then my face blue. Um, and I could do all of those different things for literally less than a hundred bucks. That's, that's really, really helpful. Now, from what would you say is, is second, or actually let's say you're filming outside, lighting as well. Like say you're filming outside. What time of day is best to film? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, it, it depends who you talk to. Um, I would say a majority of the people would say sunrise or sunset um, just because it creates, uh, the sun is closer to the horizon, which basically will create more depth into your photos or your videos um, where it will actually create shadows. Um, so if you're, um, if you have the sun coming from, from this side, sorry, like kind of like this light here, it's off to the side. Um, it creates a shadow over here where it shows depth to your face. Where if I move my light over here, kind of like right in front, everything is just the same. Um, which, which just having that little bit of depth just shows, I don't, it just looks a lot better. Um, and it's the same thing of like, um, even if you, you can use the sun in very different ways. You can have it as a backlight. So then you're, the person um, that you're filming is, is kind of a silhouette. Um, which is a really cool style as well. Depends what you're doing. Um, but then you can also have it as a key light, kind of just like this, this light here. Um, so yeah, it's just using the light that you have um, at your disposal. And um, there's a lot of people that will shoot midday, which is there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but a nice, really cool tool that a lot of people use, and I use it all the time for video, um, is called a diffuser. And you can literally order one off Amazon for 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Um, and it's, you could just search up a five, five in one diffuser. And it's basically just this big round, um, sheet basically, um, that you put in front of, or in between the sun or whatever light you're using and the subject you're trying to film. And it will basically, instead of a harsh light, it'll basically diffuse the light to make it a lot softer, which then just looks a lot more visually appealing to anyone that's watching. Um, and, and it's super cheap. So diffuser. So that uh, that's on my list now. So then uh, from the if you want to do like a real quick, like say say you're, you're meeting somebody, let's say you're 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 in um, uh, you're a real estate agent and you're you've, you've maybe you've been corresponding a little bit by text message and you want to introduce yourself because uh, you just know that's the next step of really helping to kind of establish some some trust. So you just want to film yourself real quick, send that as a text message. What would be some tips to set that up for uh, just kind of like a really good presentation? Like visually? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is, that's another big thing is like for even what we're doing here, like audio is super important. If you're, if your client that you're trying to communicate with and, and you have really crappy headphones or something like that and you're using the mic off that and the audio just sucks and it's just like super muffled or um, super high pitch or something like that. It's, it's harder for you to stay focused and to hear that person out. Whereas if you have super crisp audio, um, I just find it a lot easier to listen to. Um, I mean, you can, you can really set apart someone that is um, doing podcasts and they have like really high end equipment um, or equipment they know how to use. Um, you can just tell, or it, for me, it's a lot easier to hear. Um, and so it's the same thing for, um, like even if you're using your phone for the audio, um, if you have your mic way out here and you're talking to the phone, it's going to sound a lot more muffled. But if you hold your phone really close to your, to your mouth, it's going to sound a lot more crisp and um, you're going to be able to understand the person just a lot more, a lot better really. Um, 
so yeah, it's just like little tools like that where you, I mean, a lot of people um, have the tools to do what they're wanting to do, but it's just utilizing them to the best of their ability um, and just holding it closer to your face and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes sense. And then like, what if you're, say, say you're out and about, let's say you're, 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 you're busy. So you're on the road all day. So you don't really have the ability to go home, like have a perfect studio set up. Um, if you're at a restaurant or you can kind of find a quiet spot, what would be some, um, some tips of a quick setup? Uh, if, okay. Um, it's a very good question. Um, a lot of these different softwares that we use to talk and to record and stuff like that have, um, voice isolation. So like on an iPhone, for example, when you have your mic set up, even when you're on the phone, um, you can go into your settings and you can have the mic as a voice isolating, um, a voice isolator, sorry, um, which, which will basically block out background noise um, through the mic, through your AirPods. So if you just have AirPods or something like that, um, you can just pop them in, use voice isolation and Apple behind the scenes will kind of basically um, just hear your voice, but then block out everything else. Um, and then even just visually, like for me, like um, like cleaning up the background space um, or um, just not having like too many distractions. Because if there's um, if you're sitting in a coffee shop and you're in the middle of the coffee shop and there's just people back and forth, back and forth behind you, if I'm watching that person, I'm going to be like people watching and I'm just going to see like, oh, what are they doing? Um, so it's just like trying to have a very still background. Um, even as I'm like recording this, I notice my fan up in the corner here could be a little distracting to some people. Um, so it's just like little things like that. It's just like trying to, um, I'm talking to you and as I'm talking, I'm the person of subject or like I'm the person that people are trying to focus on. Um, and it's the same thing with you when you're talking and there's not too many distractions behind you. I mean, there's, there's things that resemble who you are and, um, like you have staged your background as being, um, you're big into biking and you like longboarding and cameras and guitar. Like when I, when I look at your background, those are things that I've noticed, um, which is really cool because people, if they have a, a studio or a place where they can set things up, like those things, I know you're an adventurous and outdoorsy person. So that those definitely resemble you. Um, and so it's just like having um, a setup where, yeah, it's just not distracting. And, and you could, if you have a studio like that, you can definitely stage it like that, which is really cool. Yeah, I've, I've moved into, um, this is actually my, the basement and it's, I think it's the perfect space for podcasting. I was going to do it in the office, but then uh, because of the sound here, it just seems like it's, it's working a lot better. And so these are just things that were already there. <laughs> yeah, no, for it's sure. just hanging out in my basement. Um, so that's, that's, uh, great that it, it uh, as far as like the, it looks good. The, uh, but again, any tips on that stuff, I will take those and implement them and make sure it's, it's, it levels up from, awesome. if you're recording, do you recommend recording portrait mode or landscape? That's a good question. It varies depending on where you're wanting to put that content. Um, if you're putting it on TikTok or um, Instagram Reels, definitely portrait because that's just how your phone um, is laid out. So portrait is basically this way. Um, and then if the landscape, it's this way. Um, so I think like it depends where you're wanting to put that content. Obviously, if you're doing YouTube, you do landscape, um, which is because people are watching their videos this way. Um, but portrait 
they're doing it this way. Um, so it just really depends on where you're putting that content. Are you putting what like social platform? Um, if you're sending it to someone on an iMessage or a text message or whatever, even portrait, like people, if you click full screen, it's going to go on the full screen. Um, yeah, it's just like wherever you're planning on putting it, it kind of just resembles how you're going to film it really. Yeah, that makes total sense. And then what about like length of time? Because you talked about Reels, Instagram, TikTok, um, or I guess Reels is Instagram being that sort of 15 to 30 second sweet spot. Is that what people should be going for? Or is it like, what would you say? Um, it, it definitely varies on your audience. I think as you, as you continue to make content and you continue to do different things, um, I think it's really important for you to to test those different video lengths and to test what's working, what's not working. And you might have videos that literally get 200 views, um, but then you might get one that gets 50,000 views or something like that. And it's like, what did I do differently in those two? It, it very well could be just very random and Instagram or TikTok just decides to push that video, but it could also be um, the length of the video, um, the location you're in. Um, there's so many different variables of what can help your video. Um, but yeah, I think like majority of the time, the, the shorter the video is, the longer people are going to be able to watch it. Um, and the higher chance of people that would watch it again, um, which then also will push your video. So there's lots of like little things that, um, definitely most social platforms today are pushing short, short form content. Um, um, but yeah, like YouTube is obviously a little longer. Um, but now even YouTube, for example, has YouTube shorts where it's literally has to be under a minute long. Um, so yeah, it, it varies for what, what you're trying to portray and, and to, to showcase, but most of the time short form. I heard, I heard something really interesting yesterday, actually. So this guy was talking about, he has a bunch of subscribers on his YouTube channel, like 250,000 subscribers. So he's got a big base and he did a YouTube short and it got 15 million plays. And he mm-hmm. says this most surprising thing is like, I wish I'd never did that short. And the reason for that, and this shocked me, uh, but it kind of made sense a little bit, is that his audience, his 250,000 subscribers, his audience, they're really targeted. They're in a very much a niche space. But when he did the short, just the way the algorithm works is that the short shows to everybody. So it basically took content that's that really is designed for a specific audience and put it in front of the general um, kind of the general public, which meant he got a ton of comments on the um, and even subscribers for his channel that are just they don't fit. And what he means by that is he said he shared things like, um, like one of the comments was like, can you believe adults do this kind of thing? Can you believe um, some of the the other comments? Because he was like tearing something open, and I guess he tore it in half. And um, some some of the comments were like, "He deserves that." And it's just like he's like it just opened up the world to the trolls. Obviously, fifteen million views, you're going to get a lot of people. And uh, Mm -hmm. the I I thought that was an interesting um, observation, which is if on YouTube in particular, if you want to reach new people, like new traffic, new eyes, maybe shorts is a really powerful way to do that. And if you want to sort of stick Mm -hmm. within your, um, your tribe or, or build out an audience of people who are really following you, uh, maybe long form or the YouTube, uh, channel, uh, feed that's, that's really the right, uh, medium for it. 
Uh, but he did make an interesting comment because he's got one of those like YouTube plaques and he said that YouTube is actually working on trying to uh, fix that in their algorithm. They don't like the fact, they understand that the, the shorts has actually become a bit of a challenge for creators. Mm-hmm. So that's that's interesting. So it works really well for people who are wanting that short-term entertainment, but it's not so good for the actual person publishing. So question for you. I think a lot of people try to, sorry. Oh no, you go. Um, just a, qu- a quick thing about that is a lot of people that tried to get on Instagram or sorry, YouTube shorts and stuff like that, they'll kind of sway away from um, what their brand is about and sway away from what they're trying to portray and they'll try to do something that is trendy or, or do something like that to get more views. But then you really, um, you can really wreck the what your page is about because a lot of people are going to start following you that aren't actually there for the right reason. Um, like one of my friends, for example, he, um, he does a lot of travel videos and um, tutorials and stuff like that. And he, he enjoys F1 racing and he decided I'm going to create an F1 racing video um, because he didn't, he enjoyed it, but it wasn't necessarily on brand with what he did. Um, but he still created it. Um, but the video blew up. It had like 2 million views, um, which is crazy. And he now looks at it that, and he's like, my page is now a huge portion of F1 fans. And that's what they're here for. But that's not my brand. That's not who I am. Um, and so you just got to be very on brand and you, it's really hard not to sway away from that, but it is pretty important if you're trying to create a brand. Yeah, no, that yeah, makes sorry. total sense. And so another question is really around, um, framing yourself. If, uh, if you're filming, um, let's say you're on zoom or let's say you're, where do you, where should you position yourself within that camera and how should they like, because I do see a lot of people are moving to video now, especially, you know, people who weren't used to or weren't familiar with uh, video. And and I don't think it's natural necessarily, like, where to place yourself. Yeah, I think, like, you're the main point of focus on, on a Zoom call or anything like that. So there's, there's lots of different ways. I mean, like, from what I am, I'm right in the middle, um, center stage, and, and you are as well. There's lots of other people that might have um, just a solid background where there's literally just a white or a black or a gray or whatever you want to do. Um, but then, so you can kind of move wherever, like you could sit over here, but then it's like, what am I, what, what am I focusing on? Am I looking at the pictures? Am I looking at this? Am I looking at you? Um, so if you're right in the middle, it's kind of like, okay, you're looking. Um, but then a lot of other people are like, oh, they want to see more of me because I'm the person talking. So a lot of people will move back. But then that's also kind of distracting. And it's like you can see a lot more behind me. So I think it's pretty important to to be up and close because that's the main focus. Like you're you're here to talk to me. I'm here to talk to you. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's something like that. But I think there's also if you have a fan or if you have um, something that's moving or um, something distracting. So if you had like a really busy fo- uh, picture in the background, like right behind me, um, and then it's me there, that can be distracting as well because it's just it's just right there. Um, so like even for you, like you have those two pillars kind of on the side or in the middle of your, um, your picture and your head is like right in the middle of it where it's like kind of in a frame. Um, and if you were kind of like off to one side and the pillar was going right through your head and then it's just like a dead space here, that can look a little odd as well. So it's kind of just like really looking at your background. It's like, Oh, what fits? What doesn't fit? Even for me, like I have this door here um, and it kind of goes through my head and 
to me, that bothers me because that's what I look at. Um, but a lot of people wouldn't notice that. So it's kind of just like just realizing what's behind you and realizing what's distracting, what doesn't look good. Um, so like for me, I could just look, go a little closer and it kind of takes out more of that, that background or even just moving over this way and, and turning the camera a little bit. Like there's, there's lots of different ways that you can kind of mess with things. It's amazing how much you, like when you moved. So whoever's listening to this can't see this. So Aiden moved to the, uh, to the right of his frame. And when he did that, it was sort of like he was talking from the side. It felt totally different. Like when all of a sudden I was like, it felt, it, it was hard to, it's like, I don't know what the word is, but it, it didn't feel the same. It didn't feel like we were having that coffee conversation. It, it felt something else. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when you went all the way back, it was the same thing. It was almost like there was too much space between us. And, and so there, there's obviously, there's, there's a natural placement and maybe it just comes from the more you do it, but just like, it's like you're, you're, you're filling up the space, it seems, but you're not filling it up so much that it's like zoomed in super far and you're not so far back that you can see your, like your whole upper torso. You can just see your shoulders, your head, uh, your hands when you're speaking, uh, or if you're showing something, there's enough room on the sides to, to hold it up. And so that, that seems like a, like a really, like a good thing. Mm-hmm. The other thing you said uh, that that really oh so so Aiden's actually been helping me with how I've been placing this camera as well. So uh, I had it on the sidewall, but there was two lights, which I didn't even notice. But Aiden was like right away, like you got to get you got to move your position because those lights are really distracting. Uh, so the the good news about the basement area is it's great for sound. The bad news is that the walls are not ideal for a background. So <laughs> we'll we'll figure that out. Um, so the, it looks, it looks great. Okay, perfect. Thanks. Uh, the, the other, um, the other question I have then is, so people are there, they're, they're, they're placing themselves, they're positioning themselves. Um, and they're great off camera. They feel so natural. They laugh. Uh, like most, um, most people that, uh, like if you're like a real estate agent, you're going to be naturally a super likable person. You know what I mean? You tell really funny jokes. You're really clever. They're, they just they have like this sort of like really magnetic personality. Um, people, people. And uh, but then they go on camera and it's like there's that moment where it's just like suddenly it doesn't feel the same. How what are some tips that a person can have that helps them to really feel comfortable so they can convey their their real uh just likability across uh, on film. Yeah, I think it's super important to for anyone that has a business or is on camera. I think it's super important to be yourself, and you don't want to be on camera and act one way, and off the camera and act a different way. Like that's not that's not you, and that's not who you're trying to portray. Um, and I think even for like as an example, like me and um, Jonathan before this this podcast, we kind of had a conversation before anything started. And we were just like, okay, this is what we're going to talk about. Um, and we just had a conversation. And I think a podcast or you talking to the camera or something like that is you having a conversation with somebody else. Um, and keeping that in mind, instead of just looking down your camera and, and seeing your face, it's it kind of feels weird because it's like you're kind of – it feels as though you're having a conversation with yourself, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, so for me, like – um, I don't do a lot of talking on camera, but when I do talk on camera, it's a lot of, um, I, I look at you, Jonathan, and, I, and I'd be like, I'm having just a normal conversation with you. It'd be the same thing as though if I were to go out for coffee with you um, and just have a conversation. 
Um, but the biggest and hardest thing for people to overcome is the idea of not seeing yourself. Like there's not a mirror that you can look at and see you. Because then it's just like you start thinking of, oh, is my hair good or, or stuff like that, where it's like, is my collar fixed and stuff like that. Um, so I think like that's the hardest thing. So like on Zoom and and, um, and uh, any other platform you're using, usually you can pin um, different thing or different people to your screen. Um, basically meaning you can pin, like for me, I have it pinned as you're the main person I'm talking to. So you become a lot bigger than me in the bottom corner as my screen um, so that I can look at you and have a conversation and then I don't even see myself. Um, so I don't know. It, it's really just just having a conversation with the person you're trying to have a conversation with and forget that you're not talking to anyone else. <laughs> it's I think the other thing on that is, is so we do these, these zoom masterminds every week. And I, one thing I do notice is that the more people go to those masterminds, the, like sometimes then the first time they'll meet, like they introduce themselves and like, it's, they're like, Hey, this is my first one here. And they're, you can tell they're still starting to feel comfortable with it. In a couple months, they they look different. They talk different. They'll join from their car. It just feels way more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And it seems like just that repeated weekly exposure to the masterminds, being part of the Zoom, turning their camera on, is giving them really good practice. Mm -hmm. uh, another tip, I remember you sharing with me, actually, we were filming something and you stood behind the camera and you were like, talk to me. Don't talk, like, don't worry about the camera. Uh, and that was, I found that really helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, why does that work? Yeah. And it's the same thing as a zoom call. Like it's, you're, you're focusing on the person you're having a, a conversation with instead of you just talking to a camera. And if you just look at just a round circle, um, of a camera lens and you're like, I'm just talking to that. It, it, should, it just becomes a blank stare and it becomes uncomfortable and unnatural. And so what like what me and Jonathan do when we are having any sort of interview or conversation and we're recording it is I'll put the camera to the side and I'll sit right beside the camera with a sheet of paper with questions on it or whatever it is. And I will just ask him questions and I'll even ask him questions that are not even relevant to what we're trying to do um, and just be like, oh, how was your weekend? And it just you kind of in a way slowly start to forget that there's a camera there um, and you just start asking those questions and, and, and if you're editing the videos as well, you can kind of just like ask, um, icebreaker questions in between of just like totally off, off subject. And then you get back into it. Um, but then like when you become more comfortable with the, um, environment and more comfortable with what you're doing, um, you can really just start asking questions back to back to back. And they, they just come across as more natural because they're more comfortable. Um, and that just comes over time. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. If if you were to pick a platform today, because the thing is, is that if, you know, a business owner, you've got so many hats you're wearing already, you're, you're doing everything. You're doing, you know, planning for your, um, you're doing your accounting, you're getting ready for Q4, you're trying to serve your client, you're doing customer support, you're, you're doing everything. And so you really got to be wise with your time to have the biggest impact. Uh, if you were to pick one platform, if that's the place where you say, okay, this is where you should be investing your time in video, um, of the big three, which is YouTube, Instagram Reels, or TikTok, which of those three would you recommend investing your time and why? That's a great question. Um, each each platform definitely 
targets a different audience um, and different demographic. Um, so TikTok is very much um, what I've realized is a lot younger audience. Um, so there's a lot younger people on TikTok. Um, it's the new trendy thing to do. Um, and so it depends what your business is. I mean, if you're a realtor, um, I would say probably TikTok is not your best um, best place to target. Um, Instagram is definitely um, a lot older of a generation. Um, there's older people on there. It's been around for way longer. Um, and so if you're, pr I would say, it depends what you're wanting to do. I mean, YouTube is very much a long, long form um, content. And if you're wanting to do that, then great. And um, YouTube is definitely the place to do that. Um, but um, I would say for you to grow an audience extremely quickly, um, I would definitely say Instagram Reels as a realtor would be your best spot. You know, it's funny, as you were sharing that, it's starting to make sense, like Instagram Reels, because with YouTube, you kind of, you need a lot of prep work in there. People are expecting mm -hmm. a certain level of video now. And whereas Instagram yeah. Reels, you can be short form like TikTok. So you can talk about one topic, you can talk about it off the cuff or on the fly. And, but then it can also you get the benefit of being able to distribute it now to Facebook as well. So that's, that does seem, that does make a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. So if I'm, if I'm getting into it for the first time and I don't have a platform that I'm already investing in, if you already have one, just double down on that. If that's, you know, put your, um, put your time and effort into the thing that you've already got momentum on. If you're starting from scratch, Instagram reels. Great. So that's, that's, a and I, and I, I would definitely say, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I would definitely say like, if you start creating a platform, um, that is doing really well and you start getting tons of views, tons of followers on Instagram reels. Um, and you're like, you know what, this is, um, this has been great. I've learned a lot. I've, I've, uh, in implemented things now that I wish I did on YouTube because I want to do longer form content. The nicest thing with like creating in one platform is now you can direct people from Instagram Reels now over to your YouTube. And it's like, you can create a short-term video um, that still questions and asks that one question like, are you wanting to sell your home in less than a month? Like a question like that, for example, um, and you start giving two or three tips on an Instagram Reel, um, and it's like, want to learn more, follow me on YouTube. And then boom, if they want to learn more about that question that you just asked, they now have to go to the, your link in your profile that now takes you to your YouTube. Now you got a follower on YouTube. So it's like, if you really double down on one, um, platform, they can really work in a, in a, I don't know, work together really. Yeah. That, that, so yeah. that makes total sense. So that's, that's taking it to another level, which is the strategic play, which is, using Instagram for what it's great at. So you've now built a following there. And then as you start to grow out your YouTube channel, you can go more in depth on YouTube and you can kind of, now you can use Instagram as the introduction to the long form content. And so people are just moving from Instagram to YouTube, which I find to be pretty seamless. Exactly. Like these days, if I click on a video and it takes me to another platform, it just opens on my phone. I don't I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, mm -hmm. that, that makes sense. Then for you, like, so where, like, I've, I'm really enjoying this, this conversation. Uh, I, I've learned a lot. So, so basically, like, in summary, I'll just, you talked about content, content really being the most important. Lighting is second. Audio, very important. You said, like, audio. And, and the funny thing is, I think, like, maybe because you're, you're involving more of the senses, 
when you are on video because you're getting the audio, you're getting the visual component. You're also, um, yeah, it's just it's just more engaging. It does seem like audio actually has a big impact on on video. So yeah, so audio, mm-hmm. lighting, content, placement, uh, background. So just being aware, making sure the background's not distracting. Um, you you talked about like personality, including things like there's naturally probably there's probably going to be a bicycle around me wherever i happen to actually have three bicycles in my basement i got this one right here which is my <laughs> trainer i got that one over there which was on my trainer last week <laughs> and one behind me there which is uh actually uh i gave to a buddy of mine and uh it's it's an old bicycle it's a it's a classic bike and uh i, I didn't ever think i'd see it again and then uh he actually called me up randomly uh and just was like hey i haven't been using it as much uh do you want it back and I thought you know what? why not like it's it's just like a it's got good memories sure and so now it's now it's back and i do like cycling and then, awesome. of course my long or my longboard over there which i i built um like dating myself here but i i built that oh 19 20 years ago oh wow yeah That's awesome and it just a funny story is that um the the trucks and wheels on it now that was actually a wedding gift from some friends um uh like 15 years ago so that's that's funny crazy just shows uh just that that, that is crazy life life goes on <laughs> um, oh, it sure does yeah it does the but yeah so where can people find you yeah i'm on i'm on tiktok instagram um a little bit of youtube um, but I think this last, like, I mean, just getting back from my accident and stuff, I've definitely been focusing on a lot of um, my own video, like the documentary, um, really trying to finalize what the story is and um, figure that out. Um, so a lot of my time is going there and then work and then mostly just Instagram is my biggest thing. Um, I've got a couple of videos on TikTok, but not a whole lot. Um, and then, yeah, I would say Instagram, which is just Aiden Feds. So, yeah. That's about it. <laughs> Aiden Feds is pretty... Aiden Feds. Aiden Feds, which is basically on... F-E-D-D-S. Yeah. Aiden, A-I-D-A-N, and then F-E-D-D-S. And that's basically my name on all social platforms. If you want to go get inspired, see some really powerful photography, some great video, uh, go check out Aiden Feds. And then I should I should clarify that, that that wedding gift wasn't the wedding gift for my wife and myself. That was just a private gift that my buddies gave me just for fun. Um <laughs> For everyone listening and be like, that's a weird wedding gift. That would be very weird. <laughs> yeah, so uh yeah, that's that's a that's a wrap. Let's go.